So this morning, can we uh, read together the scripture reading? It's a short passage uh, from 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 1, and it's on the PowerPoint slides. So shall we read that together? Behold, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Uh, Let's commit the rest of this time to the Lord in prayer. Triune God of grace, we pray, I pray this morning, as I prayed at the first service, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you. And Spirit of God, I pray, you will come upon this place, move amongst us, Lord. Teach us, lead us out of your word. We give you thanks. Amen. When my nephew was eight years old, my mother, who was fetching him home from school one day, happened to meet up with one of her longtime friends who knows our family. Uh, This friend of my mother, and uh, she took one look at my nephew and said, without missing a beat, Oh, this is KP's son. He looks just like his father. Now, what we all accept in the matter of physical family descent, you know, father looking like son, or is it son looking like father? John now applies in terms of our spiritual relationship with our Heavenly Father. In this realm, equally, Likeness is the proof of relationship. If we say we are God's children, and remembering that this is the holy God we are talking about, then we need to evidence it by our personal holiness. So let us first learn from John what that will mean in practice. And after that, we will consider how this should impact the way we serve with love with holy love as God's children. There are two paradigms out of 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 that we can think upon today. The first, being children of God. We have a relationship of love with the Father. John declares to us that God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, you'll find that God is love. And he wants us to grasp how radically different from all sorts of love God's agape really is. Why? Because being made perfect in love includes the process by which the Holy Spirit, that is God's Spirit, empowers us to be agents of God's love and grace in the world. And you can find that out of our current church-wide study series, Disciples' Heart, Workbook, page 81. So, what sort of love is this? Now, the NIV actually fails to translate that first exclamation. Remember, you read it? Behold, behold, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Because of love, we are called children of God. John expresses his wonder at the utterly foreign nature of this love, using the great Greek term, potapen, meaning of what country? Like, simikoka tolo lae, 
Okay? That's what, that's what the, the, the exclamation actually means. This implies that God's love is so unusual, so unique. Because of love, He takes all the initiative to make us His children. Because of love, the Father gives lavishly and freely to those who are utterly undeserving. And when we contemplate, when we actually sit down to think about our sin and rebellion, and when we are honest with ourselves against the backdrop of God's holiness, we begin to sense something of John's wonder that he would ever, that God would ever bother with people like me and like you. Yet, because of love, he, dis- he delights to change us and names us even as the children of God, his sons, his daughters. But even beyond this, God the Son, Jesus himself, in his high priestly prayer for believers, speaks of the Father who has loved them even as, in other words, just as he, the Father, has loved the Son. And you will find that in John chapter 17, verse 23. This means that like Jesus, whom the Father declared as his beloved, and you will find that in three Gospels after Jesus' baptism in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus was called by God the Father, his beloved. This is my beloved Son. In him I am well pleased. We, the Father's sons and daughters, are positionally his beloved as well. Imagine that. You and I are the beloved. This means we are called to certain things. How should we then live as the beloved? Living as children of God means letting the truth of our belovedness become enfleshed in everything we think, say, or do. It is about pulling the truth revealed to me, revealed to us from above, down into the ordinariness of what I am thinking of, what you are thinking of, what we are talking about, and what we are doing from hour to hour. It includes pulling from the truth from above that is revealed to us into our serving. In this process, whether we realize it or not, there are movements of God's love that manifest themselves in our daily struggles, in our daily challenges. To identify the movements of God's love in our lives, I have found these four helpful words, and I've drawn these from Henry Nouwen. These four helpful words, chosen, blessed, broken, and given. In my life, these four words, um, after some 15, 16 years of pastoral ministry, these four words reflect the necessary journey in living and serving as a child of God, but even more so, they reflect the necessary journey of living and serving as a beloved of God. So the first movement is this, chosen. As children of God, we are God's chosen ones. We are seen as unique, we are seen as precious by the God whose love is limitless. 
I don't know about you, but maybe some of you um, have attended Sunday school. I come from the Baptist church. Baptist church, we call it Sunday school. But some of you might have attended Sunday school and you might have heard this song that's sung, something I certainly sang as a child. Wide, wide as the ocean. How many of you actually heard that? Okay, because this, this morning I think some were, were mouthing the words when I was saying it. So let's go through, through the words of this song. Wide, wide as the ocean. High as the heavens above. Deep, deep as the deepest sea is my Saviour's love. I, though so unworthy, still am a child of His care. For His word teaches me that His love reaches me everywhere. You know, it is... um, Simple, so simple that a child can sing it. A child like myself years and years ago. But yet, it is so profound in its trying to help us understand the love of God. Yet, there are many Christians who cannot really accept this lavish love of God for themselves individually or personally. They are always trying to be good enough almost as if to persuade God to love them, rather than accepting the fact that he already loves them passionately. Sometimes this also goes back to, you know, to our background, our child growing up years. You know, sometimes our parents don't mean to communicate that, but we come back with our school report card, isn't that great? And the parents get upset, and then mom or dad doesn't talk to us for the rest of the night. It's almost as if love is withheld, and we have to earn that love, Right? But the fact of the matter is, God already loves each one of us, loves you, loves us passionately. So, for some of these Christians who don't understand that, they embark on a ceaseless treadmill of Christian activity, thinking they must do enough or they must serve enough to pass with God. If you do enough, maybe you'll get a C grade or a B grade. And if you do a lot more and serve a lot more, maybe you'll get an A. God will then bless them or love them more if they do more. Let me say this today categorically. There is nothing we can do to make the Father love us more. Let me repeat that in slow motion. There is nothing we can do to make the Father love us more. It is given. The Father's love is given. It is pure grace. I want to suggest, though, for busy Christians today, that there is a need to stop their busy Christian lives from time to time. And by the way, no one in Amokyo is like that, okay? But we do, as busy, if you are busy, busy Christians, we need from time to time to push that stop button, to assess honestly how much of our activity is really an expression of love for the Lord who loves us and how much actually comes from being driven along by a desire maybe to impress others, Uh, to outdo someone else, to be seen to be better than someone else. And all of this, uh, it reveals a fundamental in 
security. Or we may allow group pressures, which dictate whether we belong or not, to shape the amount, the things that we do. We need to remind ourselves often that we are God's chosen ones, even when the world does not choose us. We need to rest secure in our position as a chosen child of God, precious in God's eyes, called beloved by the passionate God. And here I just want to add as an aside for those who might be wondering, by way of position, you who choose to be chosen are a child of God, beloved. By way of posture, a servant of God, just as Jesus came to serve. By way of proximity, a friend of God, recognizing the Lord is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Meanwhile, when we recognize the vital truth of being chosen, it impacts our relationships with others. We soon discover within ourselves a deep desire to reveal to others their own chosenness. It is not just us that are chosen, but God wants to choose. He's chosen others, but he's wanting them to be willing to receive their chosenness. And we are the ones to go out to reveal to them that this chosenness that God sees in them. You see, in the house of God, there are many mansions. There is a special place for everyone. As we deeply trust that we are precious in God's eyes, we come to recognize the preciousness of others and also their unique places in God's heart. The second movement in living or serving as a beloved of God is that we are blessed. In Latin, to bless is benedicere. The word benediction that is used in many churches means speaking, which is dicto, or well, which is bene, or saying good things to someone. To give someone a blessing is to affirm a person's belovedness. The world may try to motivate or actually negatively motivate us through fear, anxiety, or manipulate through some sense of insecurity, to play up, in other words, our insecurities. But it's at times like this that to live spiritually in this world, to live spiritually in this secular world, is to remember that we are already blessed in God. And really, we have nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. We don't need to be kiasu even in our Christian life, living and ministry and service. We don't need to be kiasu. Live like children, blessed by God. Like children, blessed by parents. We can, in turn, bless others as blessed people ourselves. It is through prayer, in solitude and silence, and there's no, getting, there's no way of getting around it. It is in prayer, in, soli in solitude and silence, and the cultivation of presence 
that the still small voice with the capital V can be heard through the ear of faith, the ears of our heart. It's in the silences, the silences that take time that we hear God speak to us. And it is the movement of God's Spirit that is gentle, soft, and hidden that makes us attentive to how blessed we are in those silences. And I know it's difficult when we feel that, you know, what we're going through, the pain we're going through, the losses that we're suffering, it doesn't feel, we don't feel very beloved, neither do we feel very blessed. It's times like this, in the silences, in the solitude, if we sit long enough with God, we wait on Him, we hear and are able in those quiet moments to actually discern how blessed we are up to and including in the midst of difficult circumstances to count our blessings, to name them one by one. It also gives us in those times, the silences, it gives us those times in the cultivating of presence, gives us that power that it enables us to be attentive to others and to bless them. The third movement in living and serving as a beloved is about being broken. Now, I think nobody likes to hear that word. The world is a broken world. I think earlier on, the prayers, I think the corporate prayer, was really how broken this world is, how in pain this world is in. If brokenness is defined as, and I've just made a little definition, Spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, social, fractures, pains, or losses. Then we, all of us, everyone sitting here, to a greater or lesser extent, are broken people. It's hard to believe that as beloved children of God, God allows us to be broken. But beloved as children of God we are, we cannot escape being broken. But we have to find the courage to embrace our own brokenness rather than trying to walk away, turn our back and walk away on it. But to embrace the, own, the brokenness, to recognize, yes, there is mystery, but to take it to the one with a capital O who calls us beloved and can turn our brokenness into blessing that shines like a diamond. In Leonard Bernstein's musical written in memory of John F. Kennedy, who was assassinated in 1963, the thought of brokenness put under blessing was enacted. Toward the end of the musical, there was a priest, and this priest was richly dressed in splendid uh, priestly garments, okay, vestments they call it. He was lifted up by his people. They carried him up. He towered high above them, this devoted crowd of worshippers. He was carrying in his hands a glass chalice. Suddenly, the whole human structure collapsed. And he comes tumbling down. This priest comes tumbling down. 
shattering the glass chalice. Later, though, as he walked through the debris of his former glory, now barefoot and wearing only blue jeans and a T-shirt, he heard children's voices singing Latin words, Laude, 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 which interpreted means praise, praise, praise. And suddenly, the priest notices the broken chalice, the glass fragments. He looks at it for a long time, then says, I never realized that broken glass could shine so brightly. I never realized broken glass could shine so brightly. Herein lies the implication of our brokenness in our relationship with others and in our service to them. We are chosen, blessed, broken, to be given. We are chosen, blessed, and broken, not simply for our own sakes, but for others, for the sake of others as well. Our brokenness opens us, God's beloved, to a deeper way of sharing of our lives and offering hope to each other. Now one suggests that the real question to be asked is not what can we offer to each other, but rather who can we be for each other. And here I'm reminded of the words of a, I think, more contemporary hymn. Some of you may know it, but it goes like this. As bread that is broken, use our lives. As wine that is poured out, a willing sacrifice. Empower us, Father, to share the love of Christ as bread that is broken. Lord, use our lives. We are broken for the sake of others. There is mystery in that. There is sometimes pain. And we can't understand even something like that. But that is when we can bring it to the one who can understand and who helps us through that journey. As we come to a close, I want to say, though, that um, there are many things that need to be done in the church, many areas that call for us to serve. It's not just in Ang Mokyo, it's in churches across the nations. But the question that must be asked is, what is the fundamental priority? What is the fundamental priority of the church? Some may say it's evangelism. Some say it's worship. Some say it's disciple-making. Others declare that it must be prayer and the word. Brothers and sisters, please can I appeal to you today once and for all. The priority of the church is evangelism. The priority of the church is worship. The priority of the church is disciple-making. 
The priority of the church is prayer. The priority of the church is the word, etc., etc. You can add on to it. But the fundamental priority of the church is Christ-likeness. The rest that I've just listed are the means. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 states that God has predestined his people to be conformed to the image of his Son. That is, to become like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 reads, And we all with unveiled faces are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. Some translations say from glory to glory. We are being changed into his likeness from glory to glory. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 declares, Beloved, we are God's children now, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. That is a promise. In the companion reader of our current church-wide study, The Disciple's Heart, Reverend James Harnish speaks of a passionate God who is deeply concerned by the brokenness in the world and calls for faithful disciples to live in faithful obedience to Christ whilst being responsible citizens of the community and the nation of which we are a part. Now you're going to find in the workbook that um, over the several days that we are supposed to read through, he talks about how one person can make a difference. He talks about the life of Martin Luther King Jr., how he spoke up. All of these things talk to us and speak to us and call out to us about being faithfully obedient to Christ, yet being responsible citizens of the community and the nation. Yet, it is at the end of the chapter that he nails it. The obsession, he says, to be more and more like Jesus. May our service be anchored in this clarion call to be like Jesus. As children of God, as God's beloved, may we serve like Jesus, the beloved of God, because of love, chosen, blessed, broken, and given. Jesus modeled the way with his life. He was chosen of God, blessed, broken, and given. And he calls us to, in our service, to go and do likewise. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great and immense love for us that we should be called beloved sons and daughters, beloved of God, even as your son, the Lord Jesus himself, the firstborn was the beloved with a capital B. Father, I pray for all of us here today, myself included, Lord, you will give us the grace to live like and as 
the beloved of God. Not because we have anything to prove, not because we want to show off, not because we want to gain something, but Lord, we serve because of love. That we are recognized in ourselves, we are chosen, blessed, broken, and to be given as your son was to the world around us. Give us your grace and your strength. We ask all these things in the blessed name of your dear son who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen.